Now, in the series, we've been kind of, for the year, following this track of one big theme, right? And um, I want to I say that um, once you have, as I said earlier in the year, established your courageous conversation, right? You decided these are the things that I need to talk about. My life is going to go in a better direction. We need to sit down and have a conversation. And once we have that conversation, we decide on the changes we need to make because we've talked about it, now we're clear. And then once we decide on the changes, we come up with a plan, right? These are the plans we need to put in place. But the problem with the plans is I need some resources. I need wealth, money, people, advice, all of that in order to get there. So I've had the conversation. I've made, I'm clear about the changes. I've got the plan. I've got the money in place. I've got the people. I've got the advice. I've got the education. Whatever it is I need. Once I put that in place, I'm, I have all I need. Now, if I'm not careful, I need to make sure I have the right priorities because if I don't have the right priorities, I'll waste the wealth. I'll waste the money. I'll waste the resources. I'll waste the people. There's something about being clear that that's important. And so in this study, my goal is to talk about priorities. Now, let me define priorities for you. In the root of the word, the word prior is there. So prior to this is that, right? Prior to, priorities, what goes first. And so if I understand that a priority is a precedence, it's a rank or position in my life. It's what I say goes first. And in order to do what I feel I need to do, I must have what I call non-negotiable life rules or values. If I'm going to set priorities, if I'm going to set them and really make them stick, I have to have, repeat it with me, please say, non-negotiable life rules. Non-negotiable. This goes first, not second, not third. This is first. Now, I did have up there a graphic that had check marks if you saw them earlier, right? There's a powerful example. Put this graphic up. There's a story that happened, that second graphic, the one I want you to see uh, with the dog. You see this dog? Farmer dies saving electrical, elect, electrocuted cow. Dog dies trying to save the farmer. Read it again. Farmer dies saving electrocuted cow. The cow was electrocuted. The farmer saw the electrocuted cow. Oh, my God, my cow is dead. So he runs over to save his already dead electrocuted cow. He reaches to save the cow, and he gets electrocuted. Then the dog says, oh, no, my master, he, <laughs> he is dead. So he reaches, and now all three of them are dead. I think we should have left the cow in the road. How about an amen to that? Everybody say priorities. Sometimes if your priorities get off, you can set in motion a series of tragic events that don't have to happen. They don't have to happen. But it's all because of a lack of priority. So there are five questions that will help you identify your priorities. You ready? The first one is, what are your definitions? How do you define things? If I want to know your priorities, I need to know how do you determine if something is a priority. A priority is what to you? If I was to give, you, give me a definition of a priority you know, or how you come to that. Your definitions say a lot. If I define preaching as getting you excited, I'm not preaching until I get you excited, then that means I'm going to do everything I can in my sermons to get you excited because that's how I define preaching. If I define love as simply romance and physical contact, 
Love has nothing to do with work and sacrifice. When you fall in love with me, my definition will cause us trouble down the road. Because you will soon discover I only define, ladies, you got to be careful about this, right? I only define love. You two guys, you meet somebody and they only define love as I kiss, I hug you, and I roll around with you a few times. That's love. If I do that, then you can't. And never say, y'all don't love you. I may not pay a bill. I may not pick up a piece of garbage. I may not wash, cook, or clean for you. I may not even be nice to you. Because I define love this way. Definition affects everything. It's why I do sermon notes. It's why I preach the way I preach. It's why I lay things out. Because I define preaching as a teaching responsibility. I see myself as an educator. Not just somebody who inspires you. Now, hopefully I'm not boring. But, but I have to make sure the definition is clear. That's true for a mom, a dad. When you enter into a relationship, how do you define things? And that's why you need to talk to each other. Can you say talk to each other? Talk to each other, not just like each other, like look, be, be inspired. She makes me feel so good. That's fine. Feel good, but talk too. There's something about the conversation that helps you see how this person defines things. Secondly, you want to understand what are their values. So what are your, say with me please, say, what are your definitions? What are your, definitions? What are your values? What are your goals? What is your timetable? And what are your current results? All these things will help you identify your priorities. Once you look at the definitions of a person, look at their values. What are their non-negotiable life rules? This person will not eat that under any circumstances. Non-negotiable. You can try and get them to go jet skiing. They don't believe in the water. They're just not jet ski people. So you, just, you learn over time what their non-negotiables are. Sad to say, often in single lives, People hide them. They fake and hide them and assume it's okay. No, people need to know on the front end your non-negotiable life rules. Thirdly, what, what are your goals? Now, understand me. If, if you don't know your goals, you can't set priorities. And we'll talk about this a lot next week. But goals are really, really important. What are your goals? So if my goal is to get to a certain place and a certain time, then I set priorities based on that, which brings to the next question. What is your timetable? So goals and timetables roll together. So, for example, if I'm trying to get to Orlando, Florida from Savannah, Georgia, which is where we are, okay, trying to get there, and I want to get there in five hours, okay, what are my options to get there? Talk to me. Fly is an option. What else? Drive. What else? Don't stop for bathroom breaks. That's a good part. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah, that's, uh, that may be hard to do, okay? Yeah, I like you. You with me, aren't you? I like that. I like that. Okay, uh, is walking an option? Uh, riding a bike, not an option. Why, why is it not an option? Take too long, right? I have a time problem. So if my goals, my goal is to get there in a certain period of time, then based on my time limitation and my timetable issues, I therefore have to speed up. And the fastest way to get there is to fly. Now. That means I need a flight that gets there. So I, all that has to be worked out when I set the goal to be there at a certain time. There's something about understanding that in your life oftentimes, you don't set the right priorities because you're not clear about your goals. You're not clear about how much time you have. If you can, if you can narrow that down and say, okay, as, in the, in the, as a pastor of the church, and this is such a great moment for me when I read this book, it's, it, it, um, it, it's, um, it's amazing how... Um, 
you never think about goals. And one of the things the author challenged me with, he says, you know, okay, you need to make sure you're not just doing something. You need to make sure you're advancing. And I realized that sometimes in my life, I'll get happy about just doing that, with just doing something, just moving my hands around. Goals help you set priorities. If I'm trying to go to school and I'm trying to finish in two years, that means that's the priority. And what comes with that is so many hours of study a day, so much reading, so on and so on. So what are your goals? We'll talk about that more next week. And what are your timetable? And then lastly, what are your current results? If, if you look at your current results, you ask the question, have the, has this worked? Have, have, <laughs> have your past priorities worked based on what I have in my life today? I look at my checking account and go, I don't like this result. Okay, that means that maybe my priority regarding money wasn't quite what it needed to be. Or maybe in relationships or whatever it is, look at your current results and ask yourself. Here's what I've learned, though. Say this is this is surprising. I've learned that I can I can worry about something be, only because I'm 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 not informed. I'll give you an example. For a pastor, filling up every seat is important to the average guy. That's really really important. But if you know what I know, it's not that important. I'll give you a couple of rules. For example. And this is what I mean by measuring results. My argument is simply that you're, some of you are measuring results incorrectly. So you, you, you feel, okay, I have bad results because I didn't have pri right priorities. Well, maybe, but there's another side to this, for example, in our case here at the church. A thousand people come in the building, okay, over the three services. And then another thousand plus will watch us from home, okay? How many thousand is that? Can you count with me? How many thousand is that? Two thousand. One more time. This is easy math, people. How many thousand is that? If it was really like a big test, you'd get a million dollars for the answer. You shout it out. How many thousand is that? Two thousand, right? It's two thousand, right? Then another, ready, a uh, couple hundred or so will watch it tonight online. Then another two thousand will watch it in the middle of the week. How many thousand? Two thousand plus two thousand. How many thousand? Four thousand. Not including how many people come to special events. So we have everybody that come every week. But last year, 8,700 people came to our special events outside of church service. How many people did I say? 8,700, right? When you add it up over the period of the year and you say, well, how many people will download the audio, the video? How many people will download the sermon notes? How many people will we touch? When you finished last year, it was 107,000 touches, what we call it, touches. Now, here's the deal. That doesn't include television, which has an incredible number. How many like our motivational moments? Raise your hand. You seen the motivational moments? 1.1 million eyeballs have seen it since we started in March. Give God a big hand. Come on. 1.1 million. Is that cool? All right. So here's the deal. If you measure your success by one number, by one issue, and you sit there and you say, my priority, my results aren't what I wanted them to be, so my priorities must be off. No, maybe you're measuring me. You're not measuring it broadly enough. You're not, if your income is up, ours is up. If you're, if you're moving in the right direction, if your bills are paid, your needs are met, okay? and, and you, you're, you're okay, and you're healthy, then you, you can look at your results and say, okay, I like these results, but I see the whole picture. For example, you're a mother who's raising a kid, right? And the kid 
is sane. Everybody say, good job. There you go. Not perfect, but just sane. Okay? And, and let's just say you, 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 um, you, you, didn't, you didn't kill him. Come on, say, good job. Because you were mad enough, right? But you didn't do anything. You didn't go to jail. You didn't visit these people in the church, right? These friends of ours, we got to sit back here, right? They don't know you. The sheriff don't know your name. Some of you say to the sheriff, you go, hey, what's up? I don't know your name. But some of you don't know the sheriff, which is a good thing. So, so we have sheriff officers here if you're watching from home. That's what we have part of our security team. Well, they're amazing part of our team. But the, the, the part that I want you to see is I've learned that I oftentimes measure my results improperly. And because I do, I'll feel bad when I shouldn't. I should not feel bad because things are not exactly what I wanted. So maybe every seat's not full, but there's another way to look at life. Come on, say amen. You hear me? And if you can count and broadly look at things, it's smarter. Some people fill up their life, fill up their schedule. They're busy, but they're not successful. And so in our future study, we'll talk more about that current result. So say with me, please. Say definitions, definitions. values. Goals, timetable, results. Those are five questions, five tools that can help you identify a priority. My results can help me say, I need to change this priority. Or maybe I'm doing okay if I'm fair. Now, in our study today, we're going to jump into a quick look into a, uh, the life of, a, of uh, a woman named Esther. And I want to be careful. I'm, I've re-doctored your notes a little bit, so you have to kind of just follow me along. You may have to make a couple of adjustments because I made a couple of adjustments, so you can follow me a little more clearly. The first thing I want you to look at is a king. His name is Asurius. Asurius is the king, and he is a guy who is now taken into uh, uh, slavery, uh, a group of people that have been uh, through a lot of hardship. Uh, Esther is a Jew. She's a slave. And she is being cared for by a, by a relative, or really a cousin, named Mordecai, who took her in when her parents died. So there are two main things I want you to think about. I want to, first of all, take a step back and look at their story, because this story is an example of priorities. We're going to look at the priorities in the life of these people and learn what to do and what not to do. The first thing I want you to look at is the king's priorities. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. The king's We're going to look at the king's priority, Assurius, and his life results, okay, and how it impacts his life. Then we're going to look at Mordecai, which is her, her uncle, or her, not really her cousin, who took her in. Uh, and we're going to look at Mordecai, this guy's main family priorities. This is the guy who has a set of priorities that's impressive. He shows us how. Then we're going to look at a, a final look at three main priorities that, that this guy had, Mordecai had, that are incredible for us to, to model from or to learn from. So if you would, please look with me and notice, notice with me verse, uh, Esther chapter 1, verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days of Assurius that Assurius was who reigned 127, over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Assyria sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shushan, the citadel, that in the third year of his reign, in what year? Third. third year. He made a feast of all his officials and servants, the powers of Persia, Mede, the nobles, and the princes of the provinces being before him. 
And when he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom and the splendor of his excellent majesty for many days. Now it says, say, say 180 days. In your notes, I put 108 days. I was tired that day, okay? 180 days. That's six months, not 3.6 months. That's six months, so you can correct that in your notes. Six months. This is a long party. So here's what you see. He valued his possessions so much, it was such a priority to him that he talked about them for a long time. That, that shows you where his priorities were. Secondly, I want you to notice that in the middle of this party, he has this moment in verse 10 of chapter 1. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was, was merry with wine, he commanded Mimucan and some other guys, seven eunuchs who served as, as in the presence of King Assyrius, to bring, verse 11, Queen Vashti before the king. I want you to bring Queen Vashti before the king. Now, he's high right now, okay? Wearing royal crown on, in order to show the beauty of the people. So he wants her to come out, and he wants her to show off. Now, he's drunk, okay? It's amazing how your priorities can be readjusted by alcohol. How your values can be readjusted. So watch what's going to happen. He values his, the king valued his alcohol and his, and his wife's beauty more than her dignity. Because in verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 12, Queen Vashti, I put it in both prints for you, refused. She said, I'm not coming out there. I am not going to go out there and be a show with my crown on, walking around in front of a bunch of gawking drunk men. I am the queen. Now, you can say, hey, girl, get it over with. Go out there for a couple of minutes and get it over with. But she refused. Now, at the end of the day, this made the king angry. The Bible said in verse 12, the king in the bottom of the verse, Queen Vashtar refused to come as the king commanded, brought by the eunuchs. Therefore, the king was furious and his anger burned within him. So, so now he's mad with her. But you ask the question, well, did you do it yourself? Were you like kind of part of this? How can you blame her? Well, now look at the third value the king had. So he valued his possessions, valued his wife's beauty, and now, watch this now, he valued the advice of those around him, close to him. The king said to the wise men who understood the times, and he names them again, this is um, in verse 14, those closest to him, uh, the, the guy we notice in the list is the guy named Mamukin. Can you send Mamukin? Mukin was the, the, really the lead guy. The seven princes of Persia, they all gathered together and they talk about this. And here's what they say in verse 15. What shall we do to Queen Vashti, according to the law? Because she did not obey. This is what the guys around him said. She did not, just, did not uh, obey the command of the king of Shurias, uh, brought to her by the eunuchs. One more time, I can read on a good day. What shall we do to Vashti, according to the law? Because she did not obey uh, the command of the king. Uh, brought to her by the eunuchs. And Mamukin answered, this is the guy, he's the lead guy now, before the king and the princess. Queen Vashti has not only wronged the kings, what Mamukin said, but also the princesses and all the people. In other words, she's offended everybody. This girl has now made everybody look bad, and so if you don't deal with her, as he goes on in the chapter, he says, if you don't deal with her, all the families and all the, the provinces are going to fall apart. we got to deal with this woman. So what happened? So he, they, they 
agreed, and she's basically fired. His marriage was destroyed. They convinced the king to divorce her without giving her a voice. She was not allowed to tell her side at all. Verse 19, if it pleased the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered, that Vashti shall come no more before King Assyrius and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. That's important to hear. This is horrible. Now, I want you to notice, one day after, a few days after all this partying's over with and he's done this to Vashti and she's fired and all that and banished to a life where she now has no options because what he does when he fires her is he, over time, regrets it. Because he looks at what, you know, he's done under the influence of alcohol and now he's destroyed his wife, her life options, and their marriage. She's now just going to be a banished woman, ex-queen, living out her life till she dies. And their relationship, which obviously was good, or it, it, it appears to be, but now it's over. After these things, when the wrath of King Assyria subsided, that's how he watches this, he remembered who? Vashti. He remembered her. After all this, in chapter 2, verse 1, he remembered Vashti, what she had done and what had been decreed against her. Now it's too late, though. Have you ever just seen yourself allow alcohol and a moment of anger to reset your priorities and all of a sudden everything falls apart? But when you sober up and you calm down, you say to yourself, those were the wrong priorities. That's why you got to be careful when you're frustrated. Now, here's where you're going to see your notes change a little bit, okay? First of all, ask this question. What can you see that alcohol would not let you see earlier in your life? What could you, can you see now? Assurious, or they call him Xerxes in some versions, this guy now can see. All you got to do is sober up a little bit. Give it a little time. Calm down. But it's too late. Sometimes, sometimes you've made something a priority. I want to get my point out. I want to tell you what I think. You embarrass me. That's more important to you in that moment than your marriage. You want to tell the boss what you think. That's more important than your career. I'm not saying you shouldn't speak truth to power. I'm not saying, but then sometimes you've got to watch your moment. Well, in this moment, he reacts, and of course, it all falls apart. Now, Mordecai comes along. I want to show you something. Mordecai... Now it's going to come on the scene in chapter 2. Now, what I want to do is broaden this section out a little bit and explain something to you. Esther chapter 2, verse 17. That's not in your notes. I want you to write this down, right? Make a note. This is not in your notes. You have a Bible. You can follow me along. Exodus two seventeen. After all this happens, they go looking for a new queen, okay? They find a new queen, and the queen they find is, guess what her name is? Esther. What's her name? Esther, okay? The king, now, they, they go through this whole process, you know, looking for it. Then verse, chapter 2, verse 17, the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti, verse 18. Then the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants 
and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. I, uh, I think this is amazing because what you'll learn is Esther, who was taken care of, we'll talk more about that in a minute, who was taken care of by this guy Mordecai, he now has prepared her for this incredible season in her life. How does a woman get to be an Esther? How, does, how do you get there, especially when your mom and your daddy died? How does that happen? It's amazing. This guy treats her like a daughter. We'll see that in a minute. And he does all this because he valued her. Go down now and notice the values of this guy, Mordecai, the guy who got her ready for this incredible season in her life. He valued his orphaned cousin, Esther. Look at chapter 2, verse 5. In Shushan the citadel, there was a certain, um, there were a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been uh, uh, carried away from Jerusalem. That's not the grand, great grandfather. His grandfather uh, had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. So I want you to notice that this is a family that had been in slavery for a long time when he comes along, okay? And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther. That was her real name, Hadassah, then, but later known as Esther. His uncle's daughter. Who was she? His what? For she had neither father nor what? My mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai, what did he do? Took her in as his own what? I noticed this. His uncle's father was Jer, his uncle's grandfather was Shemaiah, and his uncle's great-grandfather was Kish. Kish was the one way back when, three generations, who was first enslaved. So all the rest of us have grown up in slavery. He sees this girl lose her parents, and he does this incredible thing. He takes her in. Who would have thought a man could raise up a queen? I think it's an amazing story. How can a man do this? You ever seen families who struggle with this idea that, okay, I'm a woman raising a boy or raising kids, and I, how can I do it? And, and, but this is a guy who raises up this beautiful woman, so beautiful that the king chooses her to be the next queen. How can a guy do that? Can he do hair? I mean, can he, can he talk her through, okay, you know, all right, let me tell you now, Miss Esther, your body about to change, you know what I'm saying? Let me explain this to you the best I can. And he's there for all those transitions. She loves this guy. But what's really powerful is I like the fact that she's got this list of faithful men. The history. I mean, for a guy, in the, this is her cousin. A cousin steps in and raises her like his daughter. Never abuses her. Never takes advantage of her. Can you come up with a list of faithful men like this in your life? I think it's amazing. I, I think it's phenomenal to be able to list faithful men. Man. 
See, we expect women to be. But it's, I think it's astonishing that he is. And he values her. He values her. And I want to pause there for a minute and say that, my friends, is the big point. It's, um, it's crucial. Now, I'm going to come back, and I'm going I'm to pause here for a minute, and I want to read two more points, and then I'm going to jump to the next sermon because I, I need to pause here. Make part two, we'll cover a lot more. Repeat the value that this guy has. Say, he valued, he valued. his orphan. His, he valued Esther. Say that. He valued Esther. Watch this down. He valued the king. And he valued his people. I'll talk about how he prioritized and showed value to his people later. Okay? And I'll briefly mention this story about the king because this is crucial to everything that will follow. The king enslaved him. You would think he would, he would be disloyal, but he's not. He hears in the story, if you read it on your own, Esther chapter 2, verse 21. I can read it really quick. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, uh, Bigthan and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought. They, came, they got angry about something, and they sought to lay hands on the king, on King Assyrius. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed that both were hanged on the gallows, and it was written, this is important, for the future story. It was written in the book of the Chronicles in the presence of the king. They don't reward him. They don't give him anything. They simply write it in a book. You don't always get rewarded when you have right priorities now. He, he could have allowed them to hurt the king, but he chose to say something. I'm amazed that he had this priority. I'm amazed that he had this value. Now, I'm not endorsing slavery. I'm not saying that you should. I'm simply saying in his reality, there was nothing he could do about that now. And he decided to be loyal in the moment he was in. God freed them later, but in this moment, he was amazing. I always love Joseph's story because he's another example of a guy who was in an unfair position, but he was faithful until his freedom came. He was amazingly committed. But again, that's... a uh, Whenever I teach that, it, it, it can throw you a little bit because I am in no way endorsing the doctrinal misuse of the Bible to endorse slavery, which was done for generations. But I'm simply showing you how you operate in an unfair moment, how a person maneuvers through this difficult season. I want to close with this statement. Your priorities will show up in the things, people, and people you value. Your priorities will show up in the things and the people you value. This was a guy who was clear about what to value. And I think if you have clear values, it's going to help you establish better goals. So what are your goals? Your definitions determine how you see things. Your values determine what you invest in. Listen to this now. Your goals determine what you should prioritize. We will look at the goals of the king, which was to find a wife. We'll look more at, at a guy named Haman, who's an amazing guy in the story, who comes into the scene in our next sermon, and he has an incredible set of priorities. He is totally the opposite of Mordecai. 
He's totally the opposite of the king, but the king promotes him. Have you ever misread somebody's priorities? You ever gave somebody a room in your life? You ever hired a staff person? You ever put a person in control and they had the wrong priorities and you didn't know it? And then you see their results, how they come in and wreck the company, destroy business, runaway clients, and you're wondering how in the world did this happen? It's because you hired a Haman. And we'll talk about that on next week. But let me close with something that came to me when I, when I wrote this. When this, 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 was, this for me was the most amazing moment for me in praying about this series. I was standing there one day and I was thinking about this and the, the, it, the, this, this idea of what my priorities do to my life came to my mind. I call it the impact of my priorities on my life. So this was a personal message for me. You may get nothing out of this, but this is what I was doing. I was standing in the mirror, and I was looking, and I was going, okay, is this right? You know, and, and this thought came to me. You look like what you do first. Say that with me, please. Come on. You look like what you do first. I was looking in the mirror, and I was going, watch out. Okay, let's get it right here, Temple. And, 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 it, and it came to me. Say it again. Come on. Say, you look like what you do first. That was an amazing moment. Sometimes you have an illness or something that you can't, you know, you, they, you, it's not your fault, you know, but most of the time, if we're honest, we look like, and I've been saying that, Temple, come on, you look like what you do first. Secondly, you sound like what you read. You sound like what you read. Thirdly, watch this now. You live in the harvest you planted. You live in the harvest you planted. This was for me, I told you, not for, not for me. No, this is for me, maybe not for you. I live in what I planted. This is, the, this is the harvest. We live in this build. This building we're in now, we planted this. This is it. I'm not, you know, like it, don't like it, whatever you think. And if I can accept that, it's amazing. Fourthly, watch this. You're limited by your willingness to set priorities. My, my, my lack of willingness to set new priorities after I've had the conversations, decided on the changes, came up with the plans, got the wealth together, I've got the Bible, I've got consultants, I've got people in my life, I have the knowledge, but now I'm not willing to, to make, make myself go. I've gone to the grocery store of dreams, right? I've gone to the grocery store of dreams. I put all this stuff in the buggy, and when I get ready to check out, I don't want to pay for it. Went and got married, got you a gown, got all dressed up. <laughs> Had your day in the sun. And now you don't want to pay. You don't want to be a wife. You're tired of a man telling you what to do. Or a woman asking you where you're going. You don't want to pay. You wanted children so you can look at them because they're cute. But you don't want them when they get to be about middle school, <laughs> high school, <laughs> college. I'm free. That's Christina's statement. I'm grown, really. Well, I didn't know how old you were, sister girl. And it was fine. She was just finding a way. That's what you want them to grow up. The price. Want to be a pastor? No, you don't. 90% of this job is administration. It's not preaching. 
If this does, let me tell you, it gets you. All right, have at it. You're complaining. Look at the preacher. You're complaining. And you're upset. You're asking God for some, some miracle deliverance. When in reality, if you're really honest, you have a priority problem. Last thing to help me. Your priorities are ultimately controlled by you, not God. Put up my first graphic, the one that had the little check marks. I don't know if the person's back there or not, but I want you to think about this for a minute. You check, you check. No, put up for a minute. I want you to, you check in your life. First, second, third. Someone say it with you. Come on. First, second, third. Join the preacher. Say it loud. Come on. First, second, third. What's first in my life? What do I value? What's really important to me? Father, today, somebody is going to at least be honest enough to say, my values are off. I am not valuing what's important. I have lost sight. I'm just kind of floating. I'm more worried about what somebody thinks about me than what I think. I'm more concerned about public opinion than private opinion. If I'm honest, I do look like what I do. I do live where I, what I saw. I am waiting to die. I'm not trying to live. I'm not trying to build my income. I'm just laying around complaining about it. Praying for God to bless me financially. Well, how can he do that? If my priority is not to work. <laughs> I've made it a priority to do nothing. But have everything. So what I do is I make sure I get good friends who are rich who can help me. My goal in life is to meet a man that's going to save me. And I'll compromise if necessary to keep it. My priority is not to take my life in my hand and do something. I'm anti-work. I want to be spiritual, but I don't want to pray. I want to, I want to be used of God, but I don't want to go to church. I, don't want, I mean, I have all these ideas, but if I'm honest, when I look up close... My values have been off. So, Father, today, help us. Help us settle down, take an honest, honest look at our life. And let's find out what our goals should be. And I pray that in between now and the next week before we teach, that there will come this thought, I need to set up some new goals for my life. And I need to make those goals a priority. And I need to give myself a timetable. I plan to do this by that day. I set in my mind in Jesus' name. This is my goal. In Jesus' name. Look at the preacher for a second. I'm going to surprise you. Ready? I'm going back to school. You surprised? 
How do you know? Because I already done signed up. I already been accepted. And I already know. Da, 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 da. I got my portal. I'm already in. Praise the Lord. Ricky Temple. Why? Because I have a goal. It's a doctoral program that I'm really excited about. And here's what I like. What I'm trying to do over the next, you ready? Five years. I'm concerned that if I don't do anything, I'll be irrelevant in five years. You say, you kidding me? No. So what's your goals? Tune in next week. <laughs> I got a plan. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm talking to me. You're just watching me talk to myself. A friend of mine said the other day, I thought it was really cool. Father, we thank you for the word, all that's been said and done. We leave this place with confidence, believing that you've called us today. We believe that people in this room have been touched, and some of them would say, my priorities have been off. Maybe my top priority that's been off is my relationship with you. One of the top priorities we should set is a relationship with God, loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, you know, I have not made God a priority in my life, but I want you to pray for me today, Pastor, so when I leave, I can say I have. It starts with a commitment. It starts with an honest assessment. I just need, I need to put God front and center in my life. You may be a good person who means well, but you would be, if you're honest, you know that's not been true. With every head bowed for your privacy, I want to simply pray for you. Who would say pray for me, Pastor? That, that's an issue for me. I see you. Anybody else saying pray for me? Anybody else? I want to see you. You? Okay, I see anybody else. Do I see I'm, who I'm praying for? Okay, I see you. Anybody else? I'm praying for you today. Thank you. Anybody else? All right, hands down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these who raise their hands, many who raise their hearts. Let this be the moment. And they say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to make you a priority. You died on the cross. You made me a priority. Now I need to make you one. So I thank you and I give you the praise for what you've done in my life in Jesus' name. Thank you for your forgiveness and a chance to have a brand new start. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen. Look at me this way. If you raise your hand or you raised your heart, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but your heart was raised.